0: Hi everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it. A podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey Adam, welcome back podcast. Friday. Woo. Yeah. It sure, it sure is. Great. Whoop? whoop whoop! Yep. Yeah. I don't always whoop, but when I do, there it is. <laughs> oh man! I was waiting to see if there was going to be a dad joke involved in this, and I wasn't and sure was. that you were. I wasn't sure that you were going to be able to pull that one out, and <laughs> you did. You got Thanks. there. <laughs> we did it. So. Great, great topic today because I think it's one thing that we probably don't talk enough about. And it just so happens, I mean, those that listen to our podcast know this by now, oftentimes we'll be um, driven to share a topic because of some of recent experiences that we have Mm -hmm. had. And we've had two or three clients, unfortunately, lose a parent
1: um, Mm -hmm. in the last
0: couple months. And it really drives home the importance of organization. And in all these cases, the child was the executor. And crap, things get complicated quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's we. I I I feel like we we've talked about this in in another podcast or two where we just talked about kind of the role of the executor. What are they kind of responsible to actually help? Yeah. Do yeah, uh, or execute as part of the process. You know, and that was often a misconception that you know the executor has to make a whole bunch of decisions. And they have to kind of work through this and think through the lens of what would, you know, what would my mom or dad or whoever, what, what would they, what would they want? Um, and really, as long as things are documented clearly, it is more just about execution and follow through yep. and that organizational side of things. I, I'm just, I get this vision in my head. So when, when we like, when we say, okay, yeah, just execute it really is made more complicated by the fact that over our life, we just accumulate and we accumulate and accumulate. Yeah. And I don't like liken it to your house. If you had to like literally pack everything up after 90 years of accumulating things. Yeah. It's, it's not always easy and the volume of things can be what makes it complicated. So even just this, Hey, just, you know, just follow this stuff. <laughs> right. One that implies that things are written down. Right. Two, that it was written down effectively three that it's, few things and not potentially lots of accounts, lots of properties, lots of people involved. Yeah. And that's, so that's where we, we see, I think in in these particular circumstances where we may be working with the child who may be, you know, around retirement age or they could already be retired or we are seeing that 50, 60 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Fall to them. And that, that original I don't know if it's the original generation, right, but the, the generation that is passing was more, I think, of the mindset of, I'm going to have an account here, I'm going to have an account there, I'm going to have this investment account with this institution. And they the, the diversification was through statement and institution, not necessarily on the investment side of things, right, the, the different, you know, uh, individual security holdings. Um, and that does add more complexity because just it's it's just more work it's another institution you have to communicate to it's more paperwork it's yada 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 there's just a lot that goes into it so when we talk about you know potentially a, a more complicated estate or a complicated inheritance that's definitely one of them right if there's just a the quantity of work involved can definitely yeah. make things a little bit more complicated we've seen recently sometimes it's you know, properties, if there's multiple properties, or maybe properties that aren't even in the same state. So we've seen vacation, you know, homes and properties just adds another layer of complexity um, that needs to kind of be factored in. Right, because your job as the executor really is now to start to dispose of these things. And I, in our experience, right, when we're involved in that, when we are holding the account for a client that has passed away, Sure. It can be as simple as we had a beneficiary designation. There's a death certificate. We're going to open the account for the year and boom, things are ready to go. Not so simple when you have a property. Maybe it is a complicated property. Now there needs to be upkeep while you're getting ready to sell it. Maybe there are certain things that need to be prepared to get it ready to sale. By the way, the home probably has expenses while you're getting ready to sell it. Then you're going to need some sort of an appraisal because by the way, that's what the estate tax return needs, the value of these things. Right. Gosh, it just starts to feel overwhelming. So before you and I go (laughs) any further, I think let's frame this in a way of what are the things that you and I would recognize that we would want to kind of tell the executor um, ahead of time. And that can then maybe take two different forms in my mind. Um, If you know you're the executor, these are Mm -hmm. things that you want to kind of not be just prepared for but maybe it sparks a conversation with your parents um and on the other end if you are in that phase of life where you say look i recognize all these things could be problems uh, maybe i had my own experience yeah um, with my parents he, it's also going to sound like a list of here are the things yeah. to kind of prepare your executor and your heirs for so yeah I just kind of want to frame that up now that we've scared the crap out of anybody that could potentially be an executor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah are, are people even still listening at this point? I just s- s- told them how, how awful yeah. things can go. Sorry. Put the pillow over your head. It kind of feels like the market, <laughs> the market right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's start it, with. Yeah. Okay, go go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. We're going to say let liquidity. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge one that, is often, I guess, not necessarily thought through. Um, And we say that from our standpoint of, we often preach as much as you can name a beneficiary on a financial account, for instance, or potentially bank accounts, but that's where that may get a little tricky because then that supersedes the will, right? If you have somebody named as a a beneficiary on an IRA, for example, That's the process right there. You deal directly with that institution, whoever the beneficiaries are. That all happens outside of the executor, happens outside of the the process of the will. It's a pretty straightforward process. The issue sometimes is when you list beneficiaries on every single account or potentially even piece of property, there's nothing left that actually filters through to the estate
1: Cash wise, yes. right?
0: It's that liquidity side that you you mentioned it earlier. If there's upkeep on properties, expenses still need to get paid. The bills still exist. You know, utility bills, whatever things like that that are still going to to last for a few months. And if there's right. not cat, if there's not cash in a in a bank account tied to the estate, that makes it incredibly well. It makes it impossible to be able to continue to pay those bills, and it just adds another layer now for the executor to try to figure out these bills still need to get paid. How are we going to go about doing that? yeah because on the on so well said the the checklist of things that need to happen there's going to be those things that like need to happen now versus soon or later in yeah. the now it is hope there if we're having this podcast, everyone needs to have the will so that that can yeah. start the process, but early in that process is literally going to the bank and establishing an estate account where things can start to flow through bills can be paid so you, you said that well because the whole point of having liquidity is we need to get money into that thing. Yeah, right. The expenses need to be paid, like you said, and we don't want to put somebody in a in a spot where, look, if there isn't money liquidity to go into that account, are you gonna start to pay some of those bills? I mean, we've seen that mm-hmm. happen. You're, You're right. Gonna get reimb- you should get reimbursed, of course. But right. right, talk about putting putting yourself in a tough spot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we often look through the lens of anything that you can name a beneficiary on any account that you can name a beneficiary on again, doesn't then doesn't then flow through to the will. It doesn't have to go through the probate probate process. You know, it saves a little bit on fees and and all of that, but it does take some level of planning on the front end to make sure that you do have the right kind of structure for what's going to go directly to beneficiaries. What's going to actually flow through to the estate And then with how you have things documented in the will, um, you know, that's what will then flow through to those heirs that are listed, anything that goes through the estate. If you have accounts that have beneficiaries listed on them, that's not gonna go to how you have things listed in the will. Yeah, so then I think the takeaway for me is to say, yes, I have a will, and yes, I name beneficiaries, is probably not the end of the conversation, right? There is a degree, I think, of like annual maintenance of going, I made these specific bequests in my will that I want $50,000 going to the church. I want a yeah. hundred thousand dollars going to this person, a hundred thousand dollars going to this person. Let's put on top of that. The fact that we know to manage your home may take a year or, or the the beach property mm-hmm. actually do the calculation to go. If I pass away tomorrow, how much money needs to be in that estate account? Yeah. Like it sounds very simple, but how many people actually do that? I, yeah, I don't, i couldn't tell you, but I think it's not a trick question. I I don't know. (laughs) Is this a number? Should I guess (laughs) (laughs) you, you and I both can, can make a reasonable assumption that not a lot of people do that. And, and it, it, it's made more complicated by the, by the potential. If, if there are just more things, right. If there's just more accounts, more properties, just more assets, right. It is, you, you talked about it earlier we are looking often through the lens for for us through the the investment side the financial account side and people can certainly accumulate many different accounts over their lifetime but it is you are spot on it's it's the the physical stuff that we hear from a lot of clients trying to help settle their parents estates that it's the the quantity of physical items that becomes somewhat somewhat of a daunting task to try to clean up, clean out, and just dispose of um, through that process. So the, the more you can streamline that on the front end, the better. So I think that ties very well into the second point that I think we wanted to make around transparency and like openness. I think yeah. best case scenario is often where I'm, I'm still just going to keep on going with the, the scenario of mom and dad. Mom Mm -hmm. and dad are getting up there in age, and they they want to really put their child or children in a good spot. Is starting to liquidate some of your own things, if you know if you've had the conversation and know that certain people may not want them. Mm -hmm. Is that a good thing at the end of life? It 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 is because you're taking the onus to liquidate it in the way that you would see fit, and then it does flow through the way that you would want it to go, and you're not really leaving that to the executor to try to figure out. So. I'll say just first, tying off of your point, transparency to me kind of means having these conversations, even if they're a little uncomfortable yeah. as you prepare these documents, yeah, and that's i that's the key word you said there is uncomfortable because it it often is right it's not it's clearly not a topic that anybody wants to talk about in any real detail with you know their loved ones that. Here, here's what I would like to see happen when I'm not here. It's just not, it's not a conversation I think people, people look forward to having. But we know and we've seen, and I think a lot of people do understand that just getting on the same page and getting a little bit more perspective and context through conversation outside yeah. of you know, the legal document can go a really long way to helping in that potential situation where you know, something is just not clearly laid out in the will for instance but you've had the conversation you kind of know what mom or dad's wishes really are the big picture that you at any point if if there is a decision that needs to be made and you're not just executing on the will itself that you have that to kind of lean on
1: to be able to help you make a decision
0: where yeah where where you're not just completely out on an island and and we've i've i'm i'm thinking of somebody in particular that kind of shared with us just the, the 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 emotional conflict of I'm not sure what to do with this. I'm not sure how mom or dad would want me to dispose of X, Y, Z asset, and that just puts another added level of stress on somebody who's already dealing with that emotional, um, you know, impact at that point too. So what's yes? So what is more uncomfortable, being in that spot, or before mom and dad pass, going to them and saying, "Hey, mom, dad." is this written down somewhere? Am I, mm-hmm. am I the executor? Like a- ask the question. Like I, yeah, I know how uncomfortable that is, but I promise that's not as uncomfortable as being <laughs> in the situation after they pass and not knowing what to do or not being comfortable maybe with some of those things. So, yeah, you know, when, when we say be organized, the, the first step of that Is having is it's having the conversation and putting yourself in a situation where you're going it's going to be awkward, but you have to ask: Is this documented? Have you thought about this? Am I the executor who is? Um, Because if you don't know whose job is what before mom and dad pass away, that's just going to create even more strife and anxiety. Yeah. So let's let's stick there for a second because you you said it. It's finding out who, who is even listed as the executor, and we've seen with some when there are multiple children involved, sometimes the default is, well, we'll just name the oldest because that's just, well, for whatever reason, that's been the default. They may or may not be the most qualified of your children to execute the process, but we've also been seeing more and more where rather than pick any one child, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yep. So I'm going to name more than one, or I'm going to name everybody with the ability to make these decisions. And again, that that can work in certain circumstances, but again, it just adds another layer of potential complication. Where now, if you have multiple executors, then you need decisions to be unanimous, which yeah. may not happen if there is conflict or disagreement. And for anything that does need to be executed, it's it's you know paperwork, titles, deeds, yeah, tax yeah returns. everything. That all then, yeah, that all needs to be coordinated. And then, and then every single person listed as executor needs to sign off on that. And God forbid, you're not all local. And now you're dealing across state lines, you're just trying to communicate different times, name the scenario, it just it adds another layer of potential complication, it slows down the process. And again, it just invites um, potential disagreements among siblings at, a, at an already difficult time which is why we bring this all up and, and I'll go, I'll go back to, I think, I think the way that that can be best resolved on the front end is just through open communications. And if that, if that means an attorney needs to be involved in the front end or, you know, a trusted advisor like us on the front end, if we need to kind of step in and, and generate this conversation, so it's not yeah. awkward between people, we'll do that. Yeah. Because, you know, when you, when you think about, um, knowing what the jobs are and who's going to be the executor and, and knowing what the plan is, what are we really trying to do? It, it is avoid disputes and try to be efficient with the money, right? Yep. We've heard certain situations too, where, okay, mom and dad did, they, they named the person that they should. And I'll mm-hmm. give my opinion. There's three types of people in the world. There's problem finders, there's problem creators, <laughs> and there's problem solvers. And those problem solvers are the doers. Do you want to find a doer for this job? there's Mm -hmm. my piece Mm -hmm. um but if you if you named one person and there are other siblings how many times have you heard that well younger sibling older sibling kind of got ticked off they ransacked the house Mm -hmm. right i don't care what the will says i wanted mom's ring yeah i wanted i wanted dad's coin collection whatever it is yeah yeah you know you don't you don't want to the communication on the front end can help set expectations not only on who is going to do what job and what mom and dad want. Yep. But here's, here's the process that is going to need to be followed by law. And that's something that I think can be a part of the conversation on the front end too. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it is that process. Um, I mean, it's, it's like many other things. There, there is a, yeah, speak to it. Yeah, there, there's a, a clear process when, when you go through a, an estate settlement Um, and, and I'm just trying to think here, we we kind of talked about this in in other iterations too. It's for the executor, I think it, it certainly feels like there's a lot of weight on their shoulders to deal with all of these different moving pieces and try to get that done in an efficient and timely manner. Yeah. If, if you're not the executor, but you know, now that you are an heir of those proceeds, we've often seen that it's well I don't have to do any work, but I know I have this XYZ, I, ha- I have this dollar amount coming to me. And it's already spent before it ever hits their hand. Like it's 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 burning a hole in their pocket before it even gets there. And just those improper, potentially improper expectations on timeline. I think a lot of people do understand that, you know, settling a state is not a it's not a fast process. This is not something that happens, you know, overnight. Um, but the more complicated situations arise, that process can get drawn out to, I mean, certainly months, and potentially, you know, beyond a year is not ideal, but it's not unheard of either. Yeah, you're dealing with other financial institutions, you're needing to shut off every bill, every piece of income, even by the time you're ready to kind of like close the estate. Now you're having to file certain things. And you need to get clearance that that was accepted and kind of the taxes were paid, and everything is done at the state level. I mean, all of this is supposed to happen, you you said it before, maybe the executor, I don't know what the average age is, that would have been cool to look up. Let's guess between 50 and 60, they probably still have a full-time job, right? So this this is not something that just turns around very quickly, and I think you hit the nail on the head. What are we talking about? Disputes that come because an heir might be saying, why isn't this moving faster? I need to get to this money. We need to take care of this. I was the one that was going to buy out, you know, my siblings on the beach property, what's happening. It takes good communication, but it, it takes time. It really does. Yeah. 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 And so the other side of that, maybe taking, taking that next step of the time and you kind of talked about, you know, that, that 50 to 60 or whatever the age time frame is, potentially prime working years to be able to now, Deal with um, you know, settling an estate can be difficult navigating on your own. And that's where we would say, certainly, when appropriate, lean on the professionals that can really yeah. give ex- expertise and try to smooth out some of those potential hiccups. Obviously, I, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know how many people actually go through the process of settling an estate without an attorney. I'm guessing that's a huge, huge minority. Um, Right. But involving somebody like us, right, a a financial planner or a financial advisor that can at least speak to some of the investment side of things. And then also uh, potentially involving a tax preparer or a a CPA, somebody like that, that can help work through the tax return or through any of the tax impacts. Clearly, we're we're dangerous, dangerous enough in in a lot of those circumstances. But when it comes to the formality, of filing the documents and the tax returns and any of the state processing side of things, it helps to have a team behind you that you can lean on for that expertise and experience that you may or may not have. Right, yes. And I, I just think about you know, the role that we can or, or really should play when we know the full financial picture of somebody's life and we know how to communicate with other institutions and we've prepared checklists for how these things yeah. maybe should be handled and in what order. It's there to provide guidance and help. Um, I know, like any any professional situation, you have the attorney, you have the taxpayer, you have financial guidance. You may be paying for that help. But why do you mm-hmm. do that? It may be to avoid errors, Heirs and the heirs. Errors. <laughs> errors. <laughs> Don't make errors and avoid having to discuss things with the heirs. Um, at the same time, again, it's just, it's money, it's time, it's potential liability. So yeah. the whole moral of the story here, it really is about kind of preparing on the front end with organization and being clear about expectations and making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page. And it, it just, it makes things go so much smoother when these things can happen on the front end, especially if you're one of those families that has a lot going on, right? Yeah. Circling all the way back to our first comments, this gets more complicated, the more stuff there is involved. Yep, yep. So yeah, if, if we can certainly you, you touched on it earlier, we can certainly play that role on the front end if it's just helping steer that conversation to make sure kind of everything is kind of thrown out there and, and the important bits are kind of covered. And for those that are kind of put in the shoes of executing after someone's passing, executing executing the will after somebody's passing, Certainly, lean on us, lean on other professionals uh, to help guide you through that process. Yeah, I think my last piece of advice would be if, if you think you may be in that situation where you're going to be the executor, ask the question. Yeah. Just put it out there hey, is, is this something you've thought about? Is this something you've taken care of? Is this something I can help with? Because better to help on the front end um, than be put in that spot in the back end and not, not have things prepped. Yep. Well said. All right. Thank you for your guidance as always. Good, sir. Thank you. We'll see you next time around. Sounds great. Here's the weekend. Woo-hoo. See ya. Bye.